Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk all things about finance, uh, early retirement, financial independence, and I talk about the four pillars of freedom, time, location, emotional, and financial freedom. And so I'm always interviewing guests, you know, financial planners, tax advisors, entrepreneurs, business owners to get the material out there and to inspire you. So today we have um, Justin Smith, and he's actually a uh, financial advisor at Savant Wealth. And so we're going to talk about um, career transitions. We're going to talk about taxes. It's going to be a great conversation. So I'll let Justin introduce himself and talk more. So Justin, welcome. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. Uh, I know we had connected through Podmatch and, uh, you know, you actually have a quite a interesting um, tilt towards, you know, your financial planning because you deal with individuals looking to transition and also taxes. So tell us about how you got started and we'll go from there. Yeah. So my, my whole career has been in the wealth management industry, uh, working with successful professionals and corporate executives and, it's predominantly been focused on retirement planning, right? We, when people are getting close to the end of the line and uh, they're leaving the workforce and they're going to go retire to a, a life of leisure. But even in the last 20 years, I've seen some pretty significant changes on the perspective people have about retirement, what they actually want to do. And now that people have seen uh, some of their friends or colleagues take a more hybrid approach that is becoming more and more interesting. So that is where I put my focus because I'm seeing a lot of people who want to blur the lines between full-time work and full-stop retirement. Uh, there, there are a lot of different benefits to a hybrid approach, right? You're talking about the four freedoms that you talk about. That's essentially what people are looking for with that hybrid approach. They want more flexibility and autonomy with their time. Uh, they want to be location independent. Right. If you have to be in the operating room every Monday through Friday, you don't have location independence. Uh, but if you can find something hybrid, maybe that works. Uh, emotional, obviously, just reducing the overall uh, time commitment and stress load from work contributes huge there. And then the financial component is is obvious. You need to have uh, financial independence or a path to financial independence to make sure that all the numbers pencil out. So uh, I, I see a great alignment of the approach that I'm taking and is becoming more and more popular out there in the world and, and the way that you and your audience are, are looking at the world. So I think this is a great conversation for us to be having today. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. You know, the whole whole concepts of retirement and just the whole work-life balance, you know, work from home is really changed, you know, and, um, you know, 2020 really highlighted that. So, um so a first question I have is, um, 
what if someone doesn't want to pursue the traditional retirement path? What what is your what do you do with those individuals? Yeah. So and this is this occurs a lot. And by nature of the medical field, some of it is physically tied to the the clinical setting and you know, your ability to to earn an income is directly tied to your hands and your physical presence being in, a, you know, in the clinical setting. Uh, so it's a little bit more challenging than, say, somebody who's a pure knowledge worker who can easily pivot to Zoom everything. But there are still some, some proven pathways that I've seen. Uh, certain specialties can go into a, a locum tenens type of role where it's a little bit more flexible. They're choosing their own schedule. Uh, maybe they're dialing back their overall workload. That can be an interesting option. Uh, teaching is one that's a little bit of a bigger pivot, right? But it can open up a whole new world of autonomy and flexibility. Uh, there's more of a virtual component available there. Uh, I've seen people go into administration and management as well. Uh, now that might not always be that might be trading one de the devil you know for the devil you don't know but there are situations where administration and management uh could give you more of that flexibility that you're looking for that location independence but still stay engaged still use your expertise yeah yeah it's it's there's so many new options and um um one thing is uh how can you replace your paycheck and ensure you'll be o okay over the long term yeah, that, that's really what it comes down to, right? If you're going to make this giant leap into a new chapter, uh, you want to make sure you have a good answer for that question first, right? Uh, am I going to be okay? And typically what we find is that people are asking these questions when they're at kind of a, a career crossroads or a life crossroads where things might be changing. Maybe you've saved up a decent amount, uh, paid off student loans. Maybe the house is paid off or getting close to paid off. Maybe the kids are... Uh, out of school or getting close to it, you're getting to a point where your future forward-looking expenses might be substantially lower than you're used to. Uh, you've amassed a decent amount of earnings. Um, so it's, it's a good time to, you know, maybe when you're 20 years into your career, there's a point where you can kind of stop and reflect and say, does my forward-looking lifestyle, my expense and my burn rate look a little bit different or a lot different? And then you can reframe what, what you actually do need to earn. And another thing I see for, for people who have been really aggressive savers early and often throughout their career, they can get to a point where they can actually significantly curtail their savings or even stop saving, right? If you put together a nice nest egg by the time you're 50, you might be to the point where you don't need to save anymore. One or two or three or five more maxed out 401k contributions aren't going to move the needle as much as just letting those dollars compound for another 10, 15 years. So th that's what I see is uh, interesting and people don't realize it because they've had their head down and they're just grinding along is that if you can stop and pause and say, hey, my, my future looks different. The, the financial future for me is different than it was in the past. So pause, reflect, and uh, say, oh, maybe maybe I could downshift to something that would reduce my ability to to save as much, but that might be okay. I might not have as much household expenses. So dropping my income by 20, 30, 50% might still be doable. It's, it, it's important to, again, stop and pause and evaluate what other paths might be possible and realistic for you.
Yeah, that's quite interesting. I never heard of that, you know, it's, but it's an interesting concept because we're, we're taught to, you know, hoard and accumulate and just nonstop, you know, but um, that's quite interesting where you, you scale back and you let the, uh, you know, let the um, power of compounding do the work and do that for you. And you can, you know, you know, enjoy a better peace of mind. So um, yep. I know you talk about, I know you have, um, you know, a, um, a guide that helps people do this, which we'll talk about later, but, you know, a lot of it's talking about, um, you know, one is health insurance. So we can talk, how, how do you, where will you get health insurance if you leave the workforce before you reach um, Medicare eligibility? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things when you do find yourself at this career crossroads, there's a lot of things to be thinking about, and it can be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, so we put together a career crossroads guidebook. Uh, we'll make sure that's shared uh, on, on your website and in the show notes and everything like that. But in there, we talk about the five critical components that you need to have in place to have a successful pivot or transition into this next chapter, whatever it might be. Uh, the first one we've kind of been touching on is evaluate your cash flow needs and make sure it's sustainable, right? You might have wildly different cash flow needs and savings needs. Uh, so evaluate that and, and see what if it works. The second one, this one will stop people in their tracks, uh, is, is health insurance. Because we get so uh, accustomed to having employer-provided health insurance, the fact of going out to the marketplace, paying full freight uh, can be pretty daunting. But it's not insurmountable. 15 years ago, it often was. There would be literally no place you could go to get health insurance, especially if you were older or had pre-existing conditions. So the Affordable Care Act has obviously helped that front out quite a bit, uh, but it's no longer the, the boogeyman that should stop you. It's just another thing to solve for. Uh, there might be a part-time or way to negotiate employer-provided coverage into your, uh, you know, your next chapter. Even if you do end up paying full freight on, on the ACA marketplace, again, it might still be doable. Just stop and evaluate your options and, and think through it. And while we're on those five components, we talked about the first two, uh, might as well at least touch on the, the last three, right? The last three when you're at that, that crossroads uh, is to think about your employee benefits, retirement accounts, and social security. So we, wave, we kind of put that all into one big bucket of just benefits uh, because they all have different timelines, different tax implications, different rules that they all need to be coordinated. Uh, because if you're going into this hybrid phase, you might be relying on multiple income streams and multiple financial resources instead of just your paycheck. And that's okay. It can, again, it can work, but you have to be a lot more coordinated and diligent with it. Uh, the fourth component to that plan you want to have is a multi-year tax strategy. Uh, I love talking about tax planning. I think this is one of the most impactful things you can do is be really strategic with your taxes. And we want to get out of the mode of thinking about taxes in April only when we're looking in the rearview mirror and just reporting what happened. It's too late to do anything then. We want to be looking out on the horizon one years, three years, five years, 10 years out on the horizon and getting our best guess what our future tax landscape looks like. And then we can make adjustments, right? If we know for the next three years, I'm going to be in the highest tax bracket, but then in year four or year five with this pivot, I might drop. That can give us the opportunity to make some significant shifts 
and employ tax strategies to take advantage of that, right? I like to say it, it, it's relatively simple, that long-term planning. You're looking for the high spots and the low spots, and you want to just move both of those towards your equilibrium. Everyone has a different personal tax equilibrium, but by filling up the low spots, you know, knocking down the high spots, it can have a huge impact on your lifetime tax liability. And then the fifth component of that plan you have to put together is obviously the investment side of things. You want to make sure your investment portfolio is aligned with your goals, your risk tolerance. You've got a ample cash balance to, to get you through uh, any rough patches. So that that is, in a nutshell, the, the five components we want you to solve for in uh, this next chapter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really, um, and for all the listeners, um, Justin's, um, this uh, planner will be in the links in the show notes, uh, especially with regards to taxes, you know, especially, you know, doctors, dentists, lawyers, um, what are some common strategies to minimize taxes over your lifetime? Yeah, so so some of the ones are pretty obvious, right? You know, retirement accounts are the, the simplest, but there are a variety of different retirement accounts. There are 401ks or 403bs, the employer-provided uh, plans. You have IRAs. You have, if you're self-employed or something like that, you might have a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. And we've, of course, got the Roth option that can be an option on all of those different accounts as well. So the, the, that is the first thing to look at is filling up those buckets in the optimal amounts. And again, that optimal bucket Roth versus pre-tax is going to go back to that long-term tax forecast. Um, and then other things that sometimes get overlooked, health savings accounts, great option for you. If you've got children um, in, in daycare or something like that, use flex spend or the uh, dependent flex spending accounts, uh, you know, tax deductible, you're going to spend that money anyway. So if you are employed, use every single one of those tax advantage accounts that you can. Um, other things to think about, um, when if you are in one of those high years from, from a tax perspective, uh, what we obviously want to do is defer income or accelerate deductions. Those are the two big broad levers. So the retirement accounts, one simple way to defer compensation and income into the future. Uh, another way to accelerate deductions is if you're charitably inclined, um, maybe think about instead of making annual contributions, again, go to that five-year, 10-year horizon and think strategically about if I had to make one charitable contribution to last me 10 years, what would be the best possible year to do that contribution? And you can, there's a, uh, mechanism called a donor advised fund all the major custodians like schwab and fidelity have these things where instead of if you're if you're somebody who gives five thousand dollars a year to charitable causes instead of giving five thousand dollars a year where you're probably not getting a tax benefit from it because you're not itemizing or if you are itemizing it's it's a very small benefit let's imagine you lump a decade worth of those contributions all into one year now you have a fifty thousand dollar deduction that you strategically timed up to your highest income year. Oh, you can fund a donor advised fund. You get the charitable deduction all up front, and then you still have control of those 50,000 charitable dollars, and you can disperse it out 5,000 from your charitable fund over time, over 10 years. So the charities end up in the same situation. You end up in a much better tax situation because you got to front load and uh, get the biggest bang for your buck out of the 
charitable deduction. And uh, if you know your listeners have probably been saving and investing, uh, maybe you have some highly appreciated uh, securities that you've been, you know, hopefully you've been building up uh, broadly diversified investment base over time. Instead of funding that donor advised fund with cash, you could fund it with appreciated securities. So let's say you have uh, whatever equity fund you have that could be contributed into the donor advised fund instead of cash. And you effectively get to wipe away any of the embedded capital gains that are there. So when you combine all the tax benefits together, uh, depending on your personal situation, obviously, uh, the, the tax benefits could be 30, 40, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, uh, as opposed to getting almost no tax benefits. So that is a really big impactful strategy if you're charitably inclined. And then if you are in the self-employed uh, space, there are obviously a, a number of different levers you can pull. Uh, we obviously want to stay in bounds uh, and inside the lines of, of, of the tax code, but you want to be taking advantage of all those things. You need to be thoughtful and diligent about how you're tracking your expenses, what things might qualify as deductible expenses. Um, just because you're self-employed doesn't mean you don't have a 401k. You can set up a solo 401k and you can fund that uh, substantially. And you get, as a self-employed individual, you get to do your employee contribution, but you also get to do an employer contribution. And you are both persons, right? You are the employee and the employer. So you can put on both sides. And the maximum of that can be over $60,000 a year. So you can stash away a lot of money if you want to as a self-employed individual. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge, and um, especially with regards to you know the deferrals, and then um, you know especially there's so many options. So again, you know, you know, seek professional advice. You know, but these are some of the strategies that uh, Justin is is um, describing. So um, you know, we're almost time, but uh, you know, one thing is um, I think the key is just integration and um, overall the client. So how do you integrate your financial resources into a coordinated plan that supports the life you want? Yeah. And I think what you'll see in that workbook, before we even get to the tactical planning around those five key areas, before we even think about that, we really want to think about what's your vision for the future, right? What what do you want to be doing with your time and your energy? Uh, what do you want that future to look like? So in the workbook, you'll see that we have a visioning exercise and, a, and a, ultimately we want you to craft a vision statement for what you want this next chapter to look like. And after you have that, then you can start listing out specific goals, career goals, um, money goals, goals for the time you spend with family, hobbies, community, et cetera, and set up specific actionable goals around each of those areas and then it becomes much more clear about how you should line up your financial resources behind that, right? The, the answer to should I do X or should I do Y becomes apparent when you have your vision and goals right there in front of you, because one of them likely is much more highly aligned with your vision and goals. So having that as kind of a North Star or a compass is really helpful for making decisions. Um, and when you find yourself at a point where you're scratching your head, having that to go back to, again, often makes things simple and it helps to bring cohesion and integration to the whole plan. And that's the thing I see most often is that people 
they don't have a coordinated strategy. They've done a great job of saving and being diligent and managing risk and everything like that. Uh, but it ends up being a collection of decisions and investments and uh, policies and things like that, instead of all of them woven into one single plan, all pushing in the same direction. And that alignment is is really the most powerful thing and helps pe- give people the confidence to jump into the next step. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a great, um, it's been a great conversation. Um, I, again, um, I encourage listeners to reach out to Justin and um, check out his uh, links and his uh, resources. How can people contact you, visit your website, follow you, uh, maybe even work with you? Yeah. So the best way to get started is check out that career crossroads workbook or find me on LinkedIn, uh, Justin D Smith at Savant Wealth Management on LinkedIn. Uh, I've got a number of different resources. The Career Crossroads Workbook is there along with a a bunch of other blogs and things I'm posting there. So that's probably the best way to find me online. And then again, the workbook is a great resource for you to get started. I also have an on-demand webinar that you can link to from inside that PDF. And there's a way to schedule a consultation uh, after you've watched the webinar or read the ebook if, if you're so inclined. And uh, all the resources will be in the links and show notes. So, Justin, thanks so much. And we look forward to hearing about your future success. Thanks. Thanks for having me.